That guy's awesome. Hello, my friends. Good to see your faces. Thanks for hanging out with me today and uh, all the fun uh, conversations, all the fishing on the dock with that crew from Slow. You guys are nuts out there. I think literally you fished all day. This dude walks out with a log and fishing line on it. Not sure how that went, but good on you, bro. Hey, Luke, we're going to, I said we'll always go to, to, to John. That's our, our theme verses we're going to look through. We'll do that, but we're going we're gonna to take a little detour here in the, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8. So it goes in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. So where we're at with John, usually just go back one. We're going to be right there at Luke. Jesus, who we're going to be talking about today, we talked a little bit about him. Uh, I'm going to kind of keep using this phrase, so the more we hear it, the more we understand it. But John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hopefully you memorized that one in your memory verses. And then it goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus, that Jesus, fully God, fully man, Fully God first, and then he comes down and he puts on flesh and he walks among us. And we're going to continue to talk about what that looks like as he is this Messiah that they've been waiting for. Today we're going to talk about his life as you're turning there in the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are gospels, the talking about the good news of Jesus, each giving a different kind of account, same story, just from a different person's perspective. It's not contradictory. It's just if us four were telling the same story of this week of camp, chances are it'd be told a little bit different, but the same idea. And that's what we see here in the gospels. In fact, it's not a contradiction. It's a beautiful gift for us to understand different things and different ways that we see Jesus saying things and, 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 and talking and interacting with people. So here in the book of Luke, we see Jesus doing what he does so often is he tells a parable. A parable is a story uh, kind of talking about the point, but doing it in a, in a story for them to catch the meaning for the most part. And here's where it says in, in Luke chapter 8. When a great crowd was gathering and the people from town and town from town after town came. Again, we're in Luke chapter 8, verse 5. He told this par parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, to, to throw seed out. A farmer, basically, throwing his seed for it to get it to grow. As he sowed, as he threw that seed out, some fell along the path, and it was trampled underfoot. Birds of the air came down and, and, and devoured it. Some fell on the rocks, and as it grew up, it withered away. Why? Because it had no moisture. Verse 7, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and with it choked out that seed. And some fell on good soil, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. And he said, Jesus said to them, this crowd of people that we just read about, the crowd kept gathering, those who have ears, let them here. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, which means they didn't quite understand it, Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. Wait, what? Ten again. 
To you, disciples, you've been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others, they're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Hmm. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes the word from their heart so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in time they, of testing, times of testing, they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they're those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Their fruit doesn't mature. As for the one of the good soil, they are those who, on hearing the word, Hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, we thank you for today. What a great, just fun day of great conversations, great rec games, great free time, great conversations, hard questions. Just a really great day, and as we continue to dive in your word, Lord, and continue to worship you through music here in a minute, uh, you soften our hearts and get us ready to hear what you have to say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. That phrase, wait, what? I added that one to the Bible because I'm reading that part when it says, Jesus is saying, hey, some of you understand, and some of you, I actually say these things so that you would hear and not understand. What? In fact, that phrase, wait, what? what? Uh, we, we say that a lot, right? Something you're listening, right? My kids do it all. They're, they're saying things like my son, you know, we were up here living up here and my son walks in. He's like, hey, dad, I uh, let the snake in the house. And I was like, what does that mean? He, oh, that, that snake that you said can never come in the house. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I had that snake outside, but I brought it in the house and it's in the house. And I was like, wait, what? All right. Yesterday I was telling Sarah, our camp director here, right? I was telling Sarah, hey, I was thinking about doing this, this song, you know, it's, it's this epic song, you know, from a movie, you know, do God, do God, and she's like, oh yeah, from the Mighty Ducks? Wait, what? No, no, not from the Mighty Ducks, Sarah? It's those things that you hear, you're like, wait, did I really hear what you said? You're welcome, Sarah, that made me laugh a lot. Maybe it's just you and me. We all have those moments. I, I'm sure you have that. You're hearing somebody say something. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Wait, what, what? What? Jesus is saying these things, and not just here in Luke. He's going to say it in John, and we're going to get there. There's going to be plenty of times in Jesus's life, in the people around Jesus, where they're listening and they're leaning in. They're like, man, Jesus is going after it tonight. This is awesome. This is great. Wait, What? What did he just say? What did he just do? It's funny. You could actually probably read John and, 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 and kind of write that down. Wait, what? Every time. Because there's some things that he says and does that is unlike anything in anyone that would do and say. And here, Jesus is saying in this parable, you can't miss it. Sometimes you think about parables are going to be so, like, you know, just little stories that you hear. We probably grew up thinking, well, he tells a story so that they would hear it and understand it easily. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm telling a story, a simple truth, so that people don't hear. You see, Jesus would use parables to convey deep truth, but also conceal truth. You can read about it in the Gospels. 
It, it helps repel skeptics, but also enriches seekers to come. Why? Because they want to know more. They're leaning into Jesus where truth is offered. Jesus says, you have a question? Good, come and ask. You want to know more? Come to me. But it all depends on what kind of heart his word falls on. And that's the point of this passage. But we're going to get, put a pin in that. Keep your finger there or you know, put a little mark in it. And now that we have chapter 8 of Luke, which we're going to come back to, I need us to flip over to John because that's where we're going to fly because Sarah and Mikey have asked us to get through the whole Bible. And if not, we can never leave. So, or just John, I guess, is what we're saying, right? John 1. We've talked about it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among them. We have people, these religious leaders coming to John. Hey, are you the Christ? Are you this one we've been waiting for? No, but do, 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 God, da, 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 da. he's coming. He's walking, and John sees him. He's like, that's the guy. That's the guy we've been waiting for. And then he baptizes Jesus, and it's just this unbelievable moment for John, this anticipation it is the camera pans back. Now we see Jesus meeting up his disciples. He meets them in chapter two here. And then just imagine that moment where these other disciples have been waiting for Jesus too. And Jesus says, hey, you guys, why don't you come follow me? And they're like, he's asking us to come with him? That's chapter two. And in chapter two, we see him and his disciples going to a wedding. They're invite, he's invited to a wedding. I don't know if you've been to a lot of weddings, uh, you don't invite just everyone to your wedding. You invite the, that core crew because weddings are expensive. And Jesus and his disciples made it, which makes us have to think Jesus was a friend to people. And he was invited to this wedding in chapter two and, and his, the wine is starting to run out. And that might not be too big for us in our culture. We might not understand, but for there, it's a really big deal. The shame and embarrassment of this family is gonna be huge. And Jesus sees it. And he does something about it, and it shows that Jesus has compassion on people and just even small little things of not wanting people to have shame and walk in that. And he does this amazing little miracle of turning water into wine. And just for a few small people see it, and they're blown away. And that's chapter 2. And in chapter 3, uh, there's other amazing things that happen. For example, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order to that the world might be saved through him. He's saying that in chapter 3. Hey, God sent his son into the world to save it. And the people are like, yeah, what? They don't get it yet because that's not coming yet. But here we see Jesus preaching truth that they don't even fully understand. I came not just to die on the cross, but to show you what true life looks like, but also I'm going towards the cross. And that's chapter three and in chapter four, we see this thing. It says, Jesus and the woman Samaria in, in these titles. And what's setting this thing up is Jesus and his disciples are starting to walk around and get to know different people and, and healing some sick and having religious conversations with religious leaders. And these religious leaders are like, who is this guy who hasn't, doesn't have biblical training yet? He has so much authority and they don't really like him for some reason because he's going against laws that they've humanly like created. There's God's laws and they've also uh, decided to put their own human laws on top of that. And God's like, well, I don't care about the human laws. I care about my laws because I care about my 
my truth. And he's starting to rub people the wrong way, these religious leaders who want Jesus to be their own kind of Jesus, their own Messiah. And he's like, I, I won't be that, I'll only be me. In chapter four, they're starting to walk with his disciples towards this place called Samaria. And everything's going great. And Jesus is like, hey, we're going to Samaria. And they're like, wait, what? Why is that weird? Because Jewish people don't walk through Samaria. Why? Because there is a racial barrier there. There's a political differences happening. There's, there's a spiritual uh, uh, disagreements that happen between them. Racial, uh, this ethnic barrier, this uh, religious barrier. We don't know anything about that, do we? And Jesus cuts right through and he's like, I don't care about any of that. I'm here to show all people my love. And he goes to this place called Samaria and he sits down and he has this conversation with this woman at the well. And he has this unbelievable moment here where she's just kind of breaking down and he's just speaking truth into her life. And then she's like, I don't know. I guess I'm just waiting for the Messiah to come. And then we read there in chapter 425, hopefully you're there. It says this. It says this. Uh, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he's going to tell me all of these things that you are saying. It'll make sense. And Jesus said to her, I who speak with you am he. Boom. What? That's insane. He just says, look, this one that's promised, this anointed one that has been prophesied, by the way, I'm he. And he reveals it, reveals it to this uh, non-Jewish lady, this, uh, this Samaritan that the Jews and Samaritans don't like each other. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm just here to, to, teach, to, to tell about truth. And I'm the one that you've been waiting for. And that's chapter four. And there's all these other awesome things as he heals uh, this official son. Think about that for a moment. It's, you know, it just, that he's healing and he's, uh, you know, seeing sick people and they're running to him and he, he embraces them. He's not ashamed of them and all these crazy illnesses. And they're just coming to Jesus and people are hearing about this crazy thing that this, this rabbi that no one knew about He's saying unbelievable things with amazing truth and wisdom. And he's doing unbelievable things in front of everybody's eyes. We see in chapter 5. And you can go here, and this is amazing. I've been here. He goes to this, this place called uh, the Pool uh, of Bethesda in, in Jerusalem. It's right next to the Temple Mount. And he walks through and he walks down. And, and it's crazy because all, all these people that have illnesses, they sit on, on the steps of this pool in hopes that when this pool stirs, there's a tradition that the angel of a, like an angel, you know, puts their finger in this water and it stirs. And the first one in will get healed. And all of these people are just waiting for hope that never seems to come. And Jesus enters the scene. And I can only imagine him thinking, I hate sin because of all this that happens. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't, wasn't the, this, this wasn't what we created. This, this sin is broken people. It breaks people. There's illnesses now. And he's got to look and he has mercy and compassion on people because of, of, of sin and death that comes from him. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. But he sees this one man and he goes to this man and he says something again that you're like, wait, what? Because this man is crippled and he's just been laying there in hopes to be healed, but he's just kind of been laying there most of his life. And Jesus walks up to him and says this, hey, do you want to get well? What? That's why I'm here, of course. And Jesus asks it specifically, why? 
Because he's not going to heal him if he doesn't really want to get well. And, and if he does want to get well, everything in his life is about to change. Is he ready for it? And Jesus, with his compassion and mercy, looks to him and says, you want to get well? And he's like, yep. And he healed he does unbelievable things in front of all of these people. John 5 actually is an interesting thing too. In, in verse 18, all these religious leaders find out that Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath, the day of rest, and they're so mad about it. And they come to Jesus, they confront Jesus and things happen. And look, it says this in, in verse 18 of verse 5, uh, is the video was asking, well, why did they go after him? Why did they try to kill him? This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, breaking a law, a human law, but we won't get into that, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's a really important, important line there because not a lot of people claim that Jesus is let's keep going chapter 6 Sarah we doing okay we're flying through this thing all right we'll get there all right so chapter 6 feeds the 5,000 stop he feeds 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and fish there's 5,000 people, uh, you know, in the, in the middle here, uh, you know, and, and we don't exactly know where it is in Israel. We have some ideas. They have some, you know, traditional sites there. It doesn't matter because these Jewish cities, we think 5,000, that's a, that's, the cities aren't that big. So the fact that 5,000 people are in this area and then it's getting late and they're like, well, these guys, they can't go home. They, they don't, we don't want them to starve. Well, let's, what do we do, Jesus? And he's like, well, let's feed them. Well, all we have is some fish and some, some, some bread. And he's like, great, bring them to me. He's like, no, go, go pass it out. And he does in these baskets of, of food and, uh, and uh, it just food's just not running out. <laughs> and the crowd might not understand, but the disciples are like, what is, what is happening? This isn't normal stuff. Jesus is doing insane kinds of things that you just wouldn't even think about. We know because we've heard this a lot of our lives, but think about seeing it. And then I want us to slow down and really take a look at this. When, when, when after he feeds the 5,000 and in chapter 6, and then, you know, no big deal, he walks on water. Verse 20, and this is what's crazy. I'm skipping over Jesus walking on water. Huh? Slow down, Hume Lake, right? But, like, there's so much in here. But Jesus says this or in chapter 6, 22, after Jesus feeds the 5,000 here, right? The next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, after Jesus walked on the other side of the water, that had been there, only they saw one boat. Jesus had not entered the boat. So basically they're going to look for, you know, right here uh, in, in 24. When the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, uh, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum to find Jesus, right? So all this crowd that was there that got, got fed and they're following Jesus, they're like, Jesus isn't here. Let's go find him. When they found him on the other side, they're like, hey, uh, uh, rabbi, uh, how'd you come here? And he's like, uh, listen, it's 26. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then it goes on that Jesus kind of puts the smack down on these people. 
all these followers, and this is not what you do is, as, a, as a pastor. You don't want to just let people go, right? In a church, you're not like, leave everyone. I don't care if you leave. You're like, hey, stay. We want to tell you about Jesus. But Jesus is saying, all this crowd of people doesn't fire Jesus up. He says this, you're coming to me not because you want me. You're coming to me because you want me to do, be a little dancing pony. You ate some free bread yesterday and you want me to do it again and I'm just not going to do that. And they're like, no, no, no. The man that our forefathers ate, you know, give us that kind of stuff. And he's like, stop. You're talking about bread. I'm not going to do it. You want me to do all these miracles. You've seen more things. All these things that we just talked about, this crowd has been following, not every person there, but the crowds are starting to form. Different people are following Jesus. Why is that important as we see here in John? Because these people have seen Jesus do amazing things and say some really bold claims. And they're like, hey, do more tricks for us, Jesus. And Jesus says, nope. You think you need food to eat. You don't. You need me. And they're like, what? And it's kind of weird. In verse chapter 6, he's like, eat my flesh. That's what you need. And people are like, what? Jesus is getting at this. You think that you need your desires met by just physical. You don't just need physical bread. You need what I only can offer. And you've been seeing it time and time again. And I've said it over and over. And I won't be who you think I am. I can only be, I am who I am. And people are like, this is hard teaching. In fact, let's, let's go there. It says in John 6, here we go, uh, 66 says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back, no longer walked with him. Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus made some bold statements. He healed people. He had miracles. He had compassion. He has power. He showed his power. He showed his knowledge. He says, I am the Messiah. I and God are one. Friends, who says that? Crazy people say that. Crazy people that legitimately think that they're God and they're not God. That's not a good person. That's a crazy person. And unfortunately, I, I, there are some people, you know, in Long Beach that they, they are, they're unfortunate, their brains are a little messed up because of drugs that they've taken. And I see them walking around and talking to themselves. Things that come out of their mouth just aren't necessarily the most clear. And they might legitimately think that they're God. And they might legitimately claim that they're God, but their actions don't show it. Who else claims to be God? Liars. And how scary is that if Jesus knows he's not God and he's saying that he is God, he's straight up lying to people. That's, I think, almost worse than being a crazy person believing that you are God. Either way, it's so interesting to me when I'm talking to friends that don't know Jesus and they're like, I, you know what, I, 
I, I understand. I know that Jesus, again, the, the, the stories, uh, historians agree that Jesus, uh, a, a man named Jesus lived. We, we agree. We understand that. We believe that. We believe that that human Jesus died. We, just, we know the stories, and it sounds like he's a good teacher. He said great things. He did great things. I just don't believe that he's God. And I'm like, stop. You can't believe that he's a good teacher if he's claiming that he's God because he's either crazy or he's a liar. That's not a good teacher. And if he's crazy and a liar, friends, let's enjoy camp in a different kind of way and go home and who cares? We don't need this thing anymore. Live for yourself. You only live once. Enjoy it. And I think that's where some of you are. But if he is who he says he is, everything changes. And he is truth. And you can't go against his truth. He is the highest authority because in the beginning, God and the word became flesh, dwelt among us, lived, loved people well, had compassion, said some really crazy, bold statements. And if it's true, we listen. And he gives parables and he talks in parables. And now we're back here in Luke 8. And I'll try to land this plane quick. He's telling this parable is a crowd of people are around him seeing him do these amazing things. And he says, listen. Disciples come to him, what does this mean? And he's like, I say these things so that some hear and understand and that others hear but not understand because some will come to me and ask and others will just walk away because they don't really care. And it's like this. My word, and it says that. It says, uh, my word comes out who I am, what I'm about, my kingdom, the gospel. All that comes out and it falls on different kind of soil, different kind of hearts. It's saying four soils, right? The four different soils are the different kind of hearts that are receiving God's words. And he says there's some that are hard soil, it, it falls, my truth falls on it, it just kind of bounces and then the birds come and take it away. Other ones are just uh, this rocky soil, it doesn't really have roots so it doesn't go deep. This other one that's it's with thorns and it, you know, it, it, it chokes them out and the other one is good soil. Why do I bring this up and why do I want to land the plane with this? Because this hasn't changed. All week long we've been talking about, all week long, one day, we've been talking about truth. God's truth, his words coming over us. And friends, it's falling on different kind of hearts in this room. The soil, and I, I just want to quickly walk through these four different kind of hearts. One, the hard heart. Hard soil, we're going to say the hard heart. The Pharisees would have fallen in this category. They've seen Jesus. They've seen his miracles. They heard it, but they want nothing to do with Jesus for whatever reason their own interpretation of what Jesus should have done in their lives, maybe the pride, maybe their own wisdom, something kept them from listening to Jesus and their heart was heart, or their heart, heart, their heart was hardened to what Jesus was saying. And I wonder, friends, if some of you might be out there with these hard hearts for whatever reason. I don't know if you've been burned by church, someone at the church. I don't know if you've been listening to other things that were saying, this is what truth is. This is what life is. I don't know if it's you want something other than him. But if that's you, I wonder, do you have that hard heart where the, the word of truth is falling on your heart, but it literally is bouncing off? It's not taking any root. 
wonder if you have maybe that hard heart. If that is you, I just wonder, can you please just stop and ask the question like, well, what voices am I really letting in? And how do I know that those are truth? We've talked about that this is truth and it's reliable and it's relevant. Are those other things really reliable or am I just going with it? Can you just stop and ask yourself and let it just sink in? Because Jesus is saying, I'm going to say my truth and it's going to fall on different hearts. And I would just hate for it just to fall on a heart and heart. Another one is the rocks, the shallow kind of heart. It says this, you have joy, you hear the word, but when hard times come, you fall away. There's no roots, there's no depth. I've been in in Long Beach and this big old rainstorm came and this huge tree, huge, beautiful tree just fell over by this small little storm. This huge tree fully tipped over and the root systems were so small. On the outside, it looks amazing and all of a sudden when that thing, one small storm tips that whole thing over because these roots were so shallow, in this shallow kind of heart. You, you hear the word, but there's no roots. You show up here and there at a church or a cool experience. You come to a camp, an emotional high. This is awesome. God did things, and you, and you want more of that kind of stuff, but Jesus, people followed Jesus and saw cool things, but then they walked away when it got hard. There's no real desire to know him more. So when hard times come into your life, who do you cling to? You don't really know him. You find yourself just stumbling because we all are going to have hard times, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. Friends, if that is finding yourself there, what's stopping you from finding deep roots in Jesus? Don't just settle for shallow faith. What about the thorns? The shared heart is what I'll say here. Grow up with the thorns, and the thorns kind of choke out the life of that seed. You hear, but then you go on your way. You're choked out by life. You have a shared heart. Your hope is in Jesus, but your hope is in these other things as well. And I I think about Mark 10, this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus because he likes things about Jesus. Hey, Jesus, tell me these things. And Jesus says, look, I know you, you, you like me, and, but you love these other things. And Jesus says, choose me over those other things. And the guy walks away, and Jesus lets him walk away. And what's interesting is, could he have come back? Yes, absolutely. But in that moment, he walks away. You see, Jesus isn't going to share his place in your life with anything or anyone else. Why? Because he doesn't want you. You can't ever be fully satisfied with anything else. And he doesn't want you to have a shallow heart. He doesn't want you to have a shared heart. He wants you to have good soil, a surrendered heart heart. One that hears the truth and you hold fast to it. What does that mean? Hold fast, believing that it to be true, clinging to it. In fact, Hebrews 10 says this, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful. Let's hear it. Let's know it. Let's hold on to the truth and let's apply it. Let's cultivate good soil in our lives. But it takes work and discipline. It's hard. I'm redoing our backyard. Then we had to get rid of all that old soil that was just 
crazy and, you know, just too compacted. And I, I was like, ah, oh, now we can put some plants in. And then my gardener's helping me. I was like, no, they'll, they'll die. You got to get rid of that. And he helps me. We pull more out. And I'm like, all right, now we're good. He's like, nope, we got to now put the good stuff in. And, and we're just kind of, he's moving this stuff around. I'm like, isn't it enough? He's like, not yet. And we're still working on it because it takes time. But the backyard is looking awesome. Is it hard? Yes, to cultivate that soil. Yes, it takes work, but the end result is fruit. As you think about your life, friends, may we think about cultivating good soil. Let's not have a hard heart. Let's stop and ask, at least ask the question, why is my heart hardened to the Lord? God, may, may you help me think through this a little bit. What are we listening to? May we not have shallow hearts. May we have deep roots. May we not have shared hearts letting things kill our passion and distract us. May we, may we have these surrendered hearts that are cultivating the soil and it takes your work, but it also takes the spirit of the Lord doing it. Jesus said some unbelievable things and they're either true or not true. We already talked about the truth and reliability of this. And if this is saying that it's true about Jesus and Jesus is saying, I am God, I'm not just a good man and a good teacher. I am God in flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God in the word. If that's true, then what he says, we have to listen to. And he says, I am the only way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we're going to continue to talk about that. But as we do, friends, think about the soil, that kind of heart that is falling onto you. I, don't, I just hope that it's not a hardened heart. And if so, I just hope that you allow the Lord to just help cultivate it. Turn it into a kind of soil that can actually hear the truth and hold on to it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. said things that just made people look sideways because it was unconventional. You ruffled feathers, not because you ever sinned, but because they had a wrong view of who you were and what you came to do. You wouldn't be somebody's puppet because you are who you say that you are and You draw people to yourself, and as you speak your words, it falls on different kind of hearts. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us in here take a moment right now to allow you to search our hearts, to know us, see if there's anything in us, and just lead us, Lord. For those that want nothing to do with you, I just pray to God that you... you you allow them to ask the question if nowhere else but here, tonight, tomorrow night, whatever it takes to just ask, why? Why is my heart so hardened towards you? Soften our hearts and cultivate good soil, Lord. May we do our work, but may you do the work first. Lord, may you receive the worship as we continue to worship you. In spirit and truth, it's in your name we pray.